Welcome to episode number six of the Ty Walls podcast featuring Colton Clark. Colton is one of two Alabama boys on the Virginia Tech roster, and it's just another great example of an interesting individual uh, that comprises that whole Virginia Tech team. Uh, we talk about hunting, him getting into the sport of wrestling when he was younger, as well as his not-so-common hobby of flying airplanes. Colton is a heck of a teammate, and I hope you all enjoy getting to know him a little bit better. Before the show begins, I am proud to announce my first sponsor, the Taylor team at Remax 8 in Christiansburg. Buying or selling a home is an important decision that can sometimes be complicated but doesn't have to be difficult. That's why it's crucial to take an informed and well-planned approach when choosing the right real estate agent to help. The Taylor team at Remax 8 in Christiansburg serves the Roanoke Valley, New River Valley, and Southwest Virginia. Their knowledge of the area, along with a network of relationships, enable them to open doors for their clients on all sides of the property equation. Whether you're looking for land, building a new home, buying, selling, renting, or investing, the Taylor team is committed to work hard as your agent to get the job done. For more information, go to taylorteamrealtors.com or call Brian Taylor at 540-315-5880. Also, once again, my new intro music is by the Jared Stout Band, who you can find over on Spotify. And now, I present to you my conversation with Colton Clark. Because you said let me hit record right quick, and I was like, oh, I was like, all right, I think it, I was like, because you turned and started looking at me, and I was like, I was like, he's definitely like recording right now, so I was just like carrying on. We're now officially recording. Colton Clark, thank you for joining me today. What were you doing before you came over here? Um, it's uh, I was actually scouting for deer, um, right before I come over here, but um, which is interesting enough because. You know, I should be scouting for turkeys because, you know, spring gobbler season is three or four weeks away. But um, – and deer season doesn't open up until October. But there was just one specific deer I had on camera last year. And um, he was he was a three-and-a-half-year-old and, a half year old and uh, mature bucks usually um, – a good mature buck whenever you want a, a shooter buck. You want him every bit of four, five, five-year-old deer. But he was uh, – he was actually a really big three and a half year old and uh, me and my buddy were um decided that we were gonna go it's actually up here in the national forest on brush mountain and uh we were gonna go out and see if we could figure out where he was um uh living at because the, the specific time of day where i got the picture and like the weather and the aspect of where i got the picture it was on uh it was in the middle of december it was a hot rainy day and typically whenever it's hot the deer don't want to move a lot yeah and yeah. so and the, the picture was taken at uh 12 30 in the middle of the day so um what i'm getting at that from is he wasn't moving very far from where uh the picture was taken from and so we were out there kind of how recent to, did you see him on your trail cam this was back in december okay and so you still think he's uh, hanging out if out he there. if it's the the area is close to some private land and um if he didn't get shot by um whoever owns yeah that. whoever owns that private how land far, how far out in the national forest are 
or is your kind of spot where you either have a trail camp set up or because I know it's pretty much shared. I mean, you're competing against everybody else that wants to go out there. Yeah, fight, so. um, it's actually uh, on Craig's Creek Road. You don't um, have to give away all your secrets. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I, I, is it, I was trying to give you the road. Is it pretty much like kind of secluded? Where if you were, you know, if you're betting, you probably wouldn't assume that there's a lot of people going out there finding the same exact spot that you. Well, had. that's actually funny you bring that up. Um, we were actually um, pretty deep up into the woods whenever we were uh, scouting this deer, and um, we just happened to look up and. Well, lo and behold, there's a double double ladder stand just right there, right <laughs> where we were walking through. We thought we yeah. were, I mean, we were every bit of a mile from the closest trail or human kind of trail yeah. back up in there. And lo and behold, there'd be, you know, a double ladder stand right there. I mean, it doesn't, just because it's there doesn't mean, you know, that, there, that somebody's frequently using that during deer season. Yeah. But um, somebody definitely knows that 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 they have a stand back in there but i mean you're definitely competing against a lot of people especially in virginia where there's a high population of deer and there's a lot of big deer yeah so when you go out and you're just scouting for it trying to see it even though you can't really do anything about it until until it's in season is it still kind of a thrill is it still pretty exciting when you're just going and looking um yeah it's like just finding like I mean, I've shot quite a few deer over my lifetime, you know, like as like a typical eight point or a ten point, you know, they score them based off like this is a measurement based off how they're scoring wise, like 120, 130 inch deer. Yeah. But um, I've been wanting to, you know, shoot a four and a half, five and a half mature buck, and that buck that I shot or that I got on camera last year, um, this year he's going to be in the 150 to 160 range and he would be just like a dream so a dream bug oh yeah i feel like with the fact that it's in the national forest the fact that you're competing against basically against whoever else is going out there it makes it even more of a challenge and it makes it even more kind of awesome if you were to be able to get it oh absolutely the fact that it's on public land where you're competing against everybody and not on like some private farm where you know you've got deer like that running around everywhere and you just catch one slipping up a cornfield at the evening it's like you have to go out there and you have to scout and you have to figure out where he's coming from where he's going um like wind or like the, the wind plays a fact into it like yeah, you could be with the smells and, yeah, the, yeah the smells the scent the time of year it's there's so much that goes into it it's probably it's, tricky too in the national forest because it's it's not like you're probably going to find any vantage points where you can go and you know glass hole area and figure out where they're where they're at and where they're moving to. And yeah, it's just dense forest. Oh yeah. So you're just trying to figure it out as you're kind of. Yeah, you it, you kind of you kind of like that's like what we were doing today is like we weren't very familiar with the area, so I found what you call a scrape is where during when sure. when, when the uh, when the deer go into a rut, a buck yeah. will come by. And he'll he'll uh, he'll rub his antlers in a little bitty like a little hangover tree. Just it's just like as about as tall as he is. And they'll take their hoof and make a scrape in the ground. Yeah. And what the does will do is they'll, they'll come by and they'll pee in it. And then um, they that's how that's how the deer that's how bucks track their does whenever they're going to rut and whenever it's their time to breed. Yeah. And I hung my camera over a scrape. And oh, he was coming, nice. but he was, it had to happen to be in his So scrape. he'll come back through and check those. That's what he does, it. yep. And he was just making, we kind of figured it out today. He was just making one big circle, probably, it would probably take, it was probably taking him two or three days to make one big circle. That's such a way better way to, to do dating. Like, <laughs> like you, you cast a wide net, 
you know, you you just go and check the line, seeing if you caught anything. Yeah. Now it's so much more difficult. If I one you like, you can you <laughs> put it in a boat. But if it's too short or too long or something like that, you just you know throw it back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good. Good for him. Good oh for yeah. Him. yeah. That was a pretty good way to. Uh, to track them down though too obviously if you found one hopefully it's the same one i hope so yeah i mean we we found um that what they also do it's like they kind of instead of whenever they rut they mark with the mark their territory from, yeah. from other bucks to keep trying to yeah. keep other bucks away from their does yeah is they'll rub their horns on the uh like little bitty branches like such as like a small cedar tree yeah and more than like the the taller and the bigger the tree the bigger the deer so and that's how they're flaunting their stuff too like oh yeah i scratched all the way up on top of this tree you know i'm a big dude and you can you up and you can tell the difference between an aggressive rub and like just like a like a like some of them they'll you know lightly just yeah just rush up and then some of them that are aggressive like saying like if there's if they smell other bucks in the area they'll they'll literally like i'm talking mess a tree up yeah yeah you can tell so much about just the way that the animal is acting by like just paying attention to those little things yeah that's like the that's a detective work side of it oh yeah it's pretty interesting though Um, i think i'd make a pretty good detective (laughs) (laughs) track human people down (laughs) uh was was hunting always something that you grew up doing obviously you had talked about how um how you how you shot all sorts of types of different deer but you know when you were growing up was it something for in your family that was kind of you know a rite of passage that was that was always what you were going to be doing um i mean uh i yeah growing up i uh my dad was a really big deer hunter growing mm-hmm. up and he always told us that he would rather us be out in the woods than you know hanging around like uh i don't know doing like he thinks that getting you in the woods and getting you away from can keep can keep you from doing you know bad things or getting yourself into trouble and that was one way that he looked at it yeah and um i remember growing up we always went deer hunting a lot and as i grew older i like i'd have some buddies that went they would do duck hunting and then turkey hunting and then rabbit hunt and do all that kind of stuff and so um as i was growing up um i got big like whenever i was real real young i always went deer hunting i can remember deer hunting from the time i could walk yeah and i would say it was probably around middle school was whenever we start me and my little brother started to get big into duck hunting and we end up getting in this hunting club and how old's your your younger brother uh he is just turned 19 okay just, so just, you guys are yeah yeah somewhat just, close in age yeah he's probably. three years apart nice and um it was about i was middle school when we got into that hunting club and then um kind of got away from that and he got really big up into fishing he fell he fell off into that and he kind of does everything else on his side like he's he's actually in school at the university of north alabama on a fishing scholarship and he's i just got off the phone with him right before i headed over here he's headed to missouri right now for a for a, a cop yeah for a collegiate fishing is that, tournament is that bass fishing too mm-hmm. that's freaking awesome yep is that um like for is it is it comparable to kind of what we have going on with the new river here i've only been one time um, with hunter bowling but yeah how how different is it when it, like in alabama for instance i mean i'm not a very big you know adequate fisherman like he is like i i mean i'd much rather hunt but you know if like a fish are biting i mean i'm not gonna say no yeah 
but um, the fishing's a little bit different because the new river is like from what Hunter Bowen has told me. It's a very old river, and and um, it's not like it's a river, and then it's a it's versus a river versus a lake, mm-hmm. and so like on the lake, there's various difference like like grass mats and there's all kinds of like different kind of vegetation there's multiple different like types of species of fish like yeah i think the two biggest fish in the new river musky and smallmouth of what i've always caught yeah. and um i've only ever seen smallmouth and uh yeah on we actually i live in alabama i live on actually live on lake gunnersville and um used to back whenever i was i don't know i was probably young high school age and um it used to host like one of the biggest bass fishing tournaments in the country yeah and um there used to be like some of the biggest fish caught out of there that like some of the biggest bags that we caught in the country there used to be the number one most populated lake it's like actually the one number one biggest attraction in my hometown no way yeah it brings in so much business just just the fishing aspect of it brings in so much business. Yeah. What's the what's the town's name again? Too? Scottsboro, Alabama. Okay. I think there's like I think it's right around like twenty five thousand population nice. somewhere around in there. Does your brother ever give you crap? Because I mean, we were even talking about in the weight room this morning. We were like, man, all these people are on spring break doing. This oh yeah. Now. I'm here working. Yeah. Does your brother ever give you crap? Like, hey, I'm going fishing again today. I'm going fishing for my team and. This is this is what I'm doing. Well, what, what do you have going on? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I just kind of look How's at it like... making weight? <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. I don't, I don't know, man. I just, I kind of look at it like, I mean, I've been wrestling, you know, for a really long time, and I love the sport, and um, I wouldn't trade a day of being on the mat of doing, you know, anything else, yeah. but, and that's the same way with he is with fishing, is, sure. is like he, he would, whenever he was five, six years old, you could... You could put a fish in a bucket. He'd sit there and fish for it. <laughs> where, where did you start wrestling? What was your first interaction with wrestling? Kind of being from, you know, from a non-traditional state. It's it's always interesting to hear how guys kind of got into it and what they had to do to to reach the prowess that you are to go to a Division One school. Yeah, um, my dad actually wrestled in high school, and he was a uh, he was a state champ for the same high school I wrestled at. That's sweet. And so he was obviously like you know passionate about me, trying to get me on the mat and stuff. And I remembered like instinctively like um, when I was four or five years old, I used to go to the youth practices and just yeah. you know like you know you got that little kid just running around and you know he would come over yeah. and try to tackle one of the big guys, not really in the practice, but was you know there being involved a little bit, having fun, having fun, yeah. And I remember doing that, you know, whenever I was four or five and six years old. But I actually started competing. I think my first tournament whenever I was in kindergarten, I may have been six years old. Really? Yeah. And um, were you still hitting the assassin then? <laughs> I was not choking kids out. I was I was not doing that then. That that didn't come out until uh, I think I saw a video of Ben Askren do it whenever I was a junior in high school, and yeah. then after that it was just I mean <laughs> that's all it was, man. <laughs> that's so cool. That's all it was. Yeah. Um. So as you worked up through the ranks and 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 kind of found your way through wrestling, which also it's funny, your dad. You had mentioned how he how he thought hunting was kind of good for you to keep you on the, the straight and narrow, so to speak. Yeah. And then he kind of influenced you with wrestling. You kind of stuck to that. He yeah. stuck to his guns pretty well. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> wrestling, it kind of, um, 
it's, you know, it's like everybody talks about it. It's like it teaches you so much discipline and it makes you a better person. And, you know, it can get you a job in the real world just because you wrestled Division One. you know, just – but um, I don't know, man. Just – my like whenever I was in middle school, I kind of I kind of sat down with my dad and had a conversation, and um, I think it was I was I was a multiple sport athlete. I was um, uh, I actually swam for three years. Oh yeah. Whenever I was I don't know. I third, remember our pool workout like, yeah, recently. Like third, fourth, fifth grade, somewhere around yeah. in there, and you're the you're about the strongest swimmer we have. Yeah, you I mean bowling and. Bryce gave you a run for your money. Though, yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bryce is a pretty good swimmer. Um, yeah, I uh, I took I, – I mean, I placed my age division in the state, you know, a couple times. Yeah. But then, I don't know, it just all – it always all – like all those th- – I was wrestling, swimming, and football. And um, I used to crack some heads in football, man. I'm not going to lie. But, um, Are you a linebacker? I was. I was strong side linebacker, and I played running back. Whenever I was, I played both sides of the ball in Pee Wee, and um, but um, it just whenever I was that young, I would go. For, so swimming was like kind of like a summertime sport, yeah. And then you go straight from swimming, like I'm mean, no break, straight into football practice, yeah. And then before football, pra- before football season even was even over, wrestling se- <laughs> wrestling season was already starting. Yeah. So it was just like bang, bang, bang. And then my dad kind of sat me down one day and was like, "Hey, we're gonna have to like narrow this down. Like this is you know getting out of hand. We can't keep up." And so. Um, Whenever, so I, I stopped swimming and um, uh, just played football and I wrestled. And then um, I, I played football my seventh grade year. And then I didn't go back my eighth grade year because I me, I sat down with my dad and I had to talk about it. And I was like, like I, I wanted to wrestle. Like I wanted to be really, really good at wrestling. Yeah. And, um, but um, I really do miss swimming sometimes just because I can compare it to wrestling because, like, swimming, you get so tired. It's unbelievable how tired you get. And then um, my dad used to always say, I remember uh, when I did swim, it's like he compared it to wrestling a lot. It's like whenever you lose, you can't point fingers at nobody but yourself because yeah. it, it's the first one of the wall wins. Yeah, I always viewed it similar to, to track, obviously. But yeah. it's that – swimming's way of getting you exhausted is just so much more wrestling like that I think I I mean personally I look at it this way where the last thing that I'd ever want to do sport wise is cross country second last would be track yeah and then third last would probably be swimming just in terms of misery oh yeah me, I think that would be the way it would go see but. yeah I would I think I would rather not do track or cross country or anything kind of like that because I I'm not made to run I hate running <laughs> I'm a, I'm a sorry excuse me yeah. land animal <laughs> I mean, seeing you as a you know a bigger guy, I wouldn't see you as much of a runner. Yeah, I guess I do, I would prefer the pool, but my swimming form, my technique is yeah. so inefficient, uh-huh. and that's what's cool about people that actually know how to swim. It's like yeah. you can't even really practice going and swimming until you really have the form down because it's so exhausting. Oh yeah, it's like it's not like like if you're an inefficient runner, you can still go pretty far. And, and do it at an, at an easy pace without really getting exhausted. But swimming, you can only – I mean, you can yeah. try. But if you're going to do a couple down and backs, you're going to be exhausted. Exactly. Each time. Exactly. All right, so you eventually narrowed down which sports you were playing, and then you inevitably made the decision to go to Virginia Tech. What did that 
choice look like? What did that recruiting process look like for you? I uh, I placed. I didn't see. I didn't start getting. Coach Roby didn't actually start recruiting me until it was like when I came up here on my visit. It was during the uh, ACC tournament. Actually, was when we're here. When the ACC tournament was here, that so was that was probably the okay. Zach Savatsky win. Zach Savatsky won. I think Tom Slay might have won. Yeah, I think um, it's a third. I think third. I looked at that the other day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Billy Miller was Billy here. Was yeah. All the BC was here. Why can't I think of Ryan Blaze was here. There had to have been a handful of other guys that had won that year too. Yeah, I don't really. I didn't really remember who McFadden was here. McFadden. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Mackay. Oh, he was probably. That, that was the year he won it. I think. Was it? Yeah. That was the year he won it. I remember because oh, I that was because that was my last year on the coaching staff. I, I was re- coaching then. Yeah. yeah, I remember. I remember that was. Just, I remember specifically that was the year Makai won it because that was the that the my recruiting visit here was the weekend of the ACC tournament and then two weeks two weekends after that was nationals. Yeah. And I was at my senior prom and everybody was giving me a bunch of crap because I was trying to watch Makai Russell <laughs> in the finals while everybody was out on the dance floor having yeah. a really good time. So and did you already kind of have the idea that you were going to go to VT or? Um, yeah. I mean, was it just, you came on your visit and you kind of saw all those or all those guys in action and then we're, were a little bit more interested. Yeah. Um, so actually I, uh, I, I did really well at, um, super 32 my senior year. I think I took like fifth or sixth. I can't even remember now, but, um, and I took her, uh, I got it recruited by, um, the UTC coach and then app state. And then, um, the coach up there at little rock, Arkansas, and they were kind of a, uh, yeah. they were the beginning. They were like a, they were like that first year yeah. was going to, was going to, they were going to be a brand new division one program. Mm-hmm. And, um, I took a visit to all three schools. You know, I didn't little, little rock was, you know, kind of out in the middle of nowhere. And, you know, I didn't feel like I was going to be able to become the best wrestler that I wanted to be because that was my ultimate goal was like, I wanted to become the best wrestler that I could possibly be. Yeah. And, um, took a visit to UTC. I really liked UTC, really liked the coaches, you know, it was close to home. Pretty awesome, there, it was close yeah. to home. Yeah. But, and then, but the, my dad really wanted me to get, you know, out of town and I kind of wanted to do that How too. How far away was that from your hometown? Chattanooga was like 45 minutes, like, man, like 50 minutes from the house. That's a different type of, uh, yeah. experience for yeah. sure. Yeah. And then, um, what's funny about it is I almost, almost went to App State. Like I was really, really close to going to App State and, um, it was probably a week or two before I was like actually going to commit cause it was just those three schools at first. And then um, one day I got a call from Coach Roby, and um, he uh, he was actually coming down to the scuffle, and uh, he drove down the night before the scuffle and came to my house and yeah. told me what he had to offer. He wanted me to come up on a visit, and um, finally I was like I had to come. I was gonna have to come after wrestling season, obviously, because I was still in season at the time, and uh, I came up, made a visit. And, you know, I just, like, when we got done, I just, I told dad, I was like, this is where I want to go to school. Like, this campus is beautiful. Like, there's, 
a home. It's just like the the Virginia Tech saying of this is home. It's like it's just like it's it, you can't compare it to anything else. It's like you, you feel so at home here. It's it's not. I feel so corny when I tell people that that's legit. Yeah, but it's so legit. Yeah, it's like, like it's, it's hard to describe. You can't put it into words. That's like when marketing just c- collides with truth. It's, yeah, it really does. Yeah, I feel I felt similarly too when I came on my visit and I was like. God, it seems like a blur. That place just seemed like it was a dream. I didn't think it was even real. Yeah. When, what what I thought was cool about what you had just said too is you you obviously got to come on your visit during ACCs and see the, see the guys and see a guy like Makai, and then you got to watch him thereafter win NCAs. But then now, I mean, you're a guy who wrestles with them pretty frequently in the room. But yeah. you got to become his peer. What was that experience kind of like? Obviously, these are oh. High level dudes that that you were kind of stepping into a room with was that something that was uh, a great challenge? And something oh, that that uh, brought the best out of you? Definitely, freshman year was you know it was brutal, man. It was it made you made you want to quit, and it really I really had some thoughts in my head about is, is like is Division One wrestling for me? You know, man, because like I was getting like David McFadden was in the room, Cody Hughes is in the room. Yeah. You know, uh, Makai, all those guys were, I mean, it was one, every other day I was going to one of those guys, and it was just like I was getting my tail whooped every <laughs> single day, and it was just brutal. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's definitely tough as a freshman coming in freshman year, and it's like guys like, you know, like Makai was a national champ, and McFadden was a three-time All-American. You know, Cody Hughes was, you know, he's a veteran of the team. He's a fifth year, you know, just now getting, yeah. getting a start. But he's still a really, really tough guy. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but, man, it was just, it was like, it was definitely a blow to the face to <laughs> say the least. But, yeah, it made me, there was a couple of times I, I was really questioning, like, is this really for me, you know? But, you know, still here today. I think everybody has the – not, maybe not everybody. Obviously, if you're coming in and you're kicking everybody's butt right away, which is pretty yeah, rare, then yeah. it's, it's going to be a little bit easier. But not everybody's Caleb Henson. Yeah, I had those same experiences, though, where it was like, wow, I kind of messed up my back. I can't, I'm getting beat by the dude who is like second string or third string on the yeah. team. Like, this is not, not good. Absolutely. Not to mention not not doing great in school my freshman year it can pile up quick. oh yeah when you're young it's like oh my goodness this is this is not it's it's definitely a it's a change from high school to college that's it's one that i was not prepared for at all i was i wasn't prepared mentally for the school aspect of it along with you know the wrestling aspect of it and then but um i think it well into my sophomore year it kind of smoothed out got out of the dorms got around got around a bunch of yeah all of being so close to all those people and everybody's wanting to do this or do that you kind of like whenever you get off campus you can you know you got your roommates and then it's just that but yeah it gives you a little bit more individuality yeah and like uh, definitely yeah your self-preservation is a little bit easier too yeah that's for sure 100 percent. right now with the guys preparing to go to ncas what's it like as as a guy that's not not obviously competing in the tournament but that's helping in their preparation what's what's that experience like um obviously you know it's it's rough um not you know not getting a chance to you know compete at ACCs or get a chance to compete at the nationals but at the same time 
we're we're all a team, you know, and it doesn't matter if I step on the mat or if somebody else is my way to step on the mat. It's like regardless you're a team, you should be trying to help them succeed and accomplish their goals. But um, I don't know. It's just uh, it's different than um, being in season and being in like this time of year when we're like the guy the backup guys aren't competing you know we're not cutting weight we're not um we're not doing a lot of things now that we would usually be doing it's kind of nicer outside and see yeah it's nice it's nice outside you get to you know go throw cornhole or you know do others go golf or do that kind of other stuff but um just just helping the guys that are actually in the lineup achieve their goals is really the only different thing you're you're focusing your focus is on them rather than on yourself is what i would boil that down to yeah yeah absolutely i mean you that's where it really becomes such a team team sport yeah because you gotta you gotta put your teammates first you gotta put their their purpose in front of you and it's it is tough and it is bittersweet i mean i only had experienced it one time but that feeling of being on the back burner is always kind of like oh this you know you're still doing hard stuff all the oh time. yeah just because you're not getting in the spotlight doesn't mean you're not working out twice a day every yeah. day still but yeah. it's uh i think it comes full circle when you know we go next week win a team trophy and every single one of you guys goes out there and, yeah and collects it are you going to uh I'm actually yeah we're actually oh you're driving yeah we're 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 driving who are you uh, driving with uh, it's gonna be it'll be me and then uh, Gordo Jordan Florence and uh, uh, Clayton Olry and Brandon Wittenberg and then we're taking Sam Latona's girlfriend <laughs> along the ride with are us. These, are all these people fitting in your truck? Uh, yeah, hopefully. Oh man, that's a doozy. Yeah, um, it's gonna be an interesting ride for sure. That reminds me of my freshman year. We it was in. Maybe it was Oklahoma City. I think oh wow! It was. And it was similar. Similar. Yeah. Oh no, yeah. it was it was in Des Moines. It was Des Moines, in Des Moines, Iowa, and it was still I mean twelve, thirteen, fourteen hours I think. Uh huh. And we rode in a van with like a fifteen passenger van with like seventeen, <laughs> eighteen people, and it was just brutal. It that, was brutal. That is brutal, man. However, you're the one who's driving, so you're in charge, taking care of them. Yeah. Absolutely. I think we're. Uh, so uh, I live in the top right hand corner of Alabama, like Scottsboro's. Like like I said, it's thirty minutes from Tennessee line, and yeah. no more than an hour from Chattanooga. And um, it's six hours to my house from here. And um, I think from Tulsa, it's like like a little over nine from my house to Tulsa. Wow. So I think we may drive down Tuesday evening after we get out of class, and then wake up Wednesday morning and you know finish it off. That's, so, yeah, I it would only, not think that you'd stop halfway in Alabama. Yeah, well, it's, it's not really, it's, it's not, not really, half. Exa- not half, but it's, yeah. it definitely breaks the drive up, you yeah. know, a little better because we did. We I mean we drove to um, St. Louis two years ago, and then we drove to Detroit, or I think it was last year. Yeah, and those, you know, ten hours. One was eight, and one was like ten. It's not, you know, it's not that bad of a drive whenever you just do eight or ten in a day, but fourteen, that's a little bit of a stretch. It's uncomfortable. You're yeah, get a little yeah, you're gonna want to kill everybody in that car by the time <laughs> by the time you get out of there. Sam Latone's girlfriend's gonna be. 
Oh Lord, she's. How much do I actually like him? He better win. <laughs> oh yeah, we are, we've already been making some jokes in the locker room about how she's gonna break up with him. <laughs> she's she's gonna she's gonna call him an hour into the ride and say, "Make them turn this truck around." I'm not going. Anymore. <laughs> uh, so you brought him up briefly, uh, Caleb Henson. I actually was talking to him on here the other day, and both of him and I. We had similar conversations with you where you were talking about how you're going to fill up our freezers with deer meat. Oh, yeah. And uh, I, I grabbed some ice from my water earlier, and my, my freezer ain't full of deer meat, dude. It was a rough year this year, man. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it was a rough year. I think I think I killed – I think I killed – I've killed two deer this year. I killed one in Virginia, and I killed one at home. And that, oh. that meat's already gone. Why is it so sparse? It's just, I don't know, man. It just was a rough year. Um, I just didn't have a lot of luck. I mean, that's what that's what it boils down to. I just turned into a bad hunter. Oh, so that actually kind of circles back to some a question I had earlier that I didn't didn't ask when we were talking about hunting. But like, obviously, you have different hierarchies of places you want to hunt. Yeah. So uh, the national forest obviously is you know it's crowded. You're not the only ones out there. It could be potentially more dangerous because of that. Then you have easy fields, private land that you oh. know there's going to be deer walking on, or you have you know actual wilderness or something along Absolutely. the lines of that. Is wilderness probably top tier for for what you'd be looking to do, or like can you kind of find happiness within each one of them? Um, I mean, they all bring something kind of different to the table that. I don't know, man. I I just like being in the woods for the most part. Just being able to, you know, get up in a tree and if if I don't see a deer, I just you know get to watch squirrels or you know you see all kinds of cool things out there. Like uh, when whenever I was I was real young, I ended up uh, I ended up shooting a bobcat one time, and I'd never I had no I had no idea what it was. I was hunting with my dad. This is back before I even you know started hunting by myself yeah. and uh he was like he's like yeah it's 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 a bobcat it's, it's they're they're legal to shoot he's like they're you know they usually typically hunt at night and you never rarely ever see them yeah and uh it's actually i've got it back in my hometown or back at my house in alabama i've got it uh mounted on top of like a little rock like walking off of a rock is pretty sweet. sweet oh you had yeah. it like stuffed yeah or, oh yeah no it's way. like yeah he's kind of like walking like a like off of a rock how old were you when you shot that um, I was probably ten, maybe eleven years old. It's kind of cool, like when you think about like the the idea of the trophy. Oh yeah, I mean you have that story with your dad, with oh, seeing yeah. it, with discussing it, still pretty fine tuned in your memory. That's oh, pretty abso- special. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, but I will say that like you you brought up like the uh, like difference between hunting in, like Alabama and like Virginia or whatever. Yeah. There's one thing I will say is like there are bears up here and I've never <laughs> hunted around bears before and I've always I always have a pistol with me when I'm um walking out in the woods, especially in Virginia because um another distinctive thing too is like in Alabama after the weekend after Thanksgiving it's rifle season the entire for the entire rest of the year. In Virginia, it's you. It's bow season, and then it, and then there's like right around the rut. There's um, there's two weeks of rifle, and then there's two weeks of muzzleloader season, and then it goes back to bow season. Yeah. So I didn't start like 
bow hunting until I got to Virginia, and that's something I really fell in love with. Is because you have to you have to art. be you have to be in the deer's bubble. Like you got to be within yeah. you know I won't shoot past forty or forty five yards with my bow, but I've really fell in love with bow hunting just because of like how close you have to be to the animal. Like a, like a a deer can be standing you know three hundred yards away and he might have no idea where you are and you know you can shoot him, but when a deer is 35 40 yards away i mean he's it's it's fair game then probably get a pretty good adrenaline rush doing oh, that it's 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 ridiculous that's that's the part why i love it so much i feel like it would be hard to I, i've only shot bows practice wise oh, yeah. um uh with with my old roommate please he, oh, yeah. he had a bow so we, he uh-huh. taught me how to do it actually it was yeah. awesome but after a while your finger gets tired and starts your your kind of hands start to shake a little bit oh yeah i could not imagine having to do that under like having adrenaline kind uh-huh. of going and having to be like okay calm down yeah we have, to, we have to land this i always say hit him on the swing whenever you get to doing the circles you want before you do before you could kind of realize how shaky you are or oh just, yeah yeah because the longer you hold the longer you have to strain so if you can uh if i've had the first doe or the first deer i ever killed with a bow was actually in virginia on public land it was a it was about a hundred hundred pound doe and uh she actually got up on top of me so quick like she was right up underneath the tree within 45 seconds of whenever i saw her and by the time I'd stood up and it was at full draw, she was at 15 yards. And whenever I let the arrow fly, like it was already, it happened so fast. I didn't even have time to, you know, get an adrenaline rush. You yeah. Know, until yeah. after the shot was over. And then, you know, your knees go to knocking and all kinds of stuff. But it's so cool. I feel like uh, in the forest, too, I mean, again, you're, it's like close quarter combat, basically, where you're not going to see it for that far away. They're going to walk up on you, especially if you're, um, sitting in one spot with a bow waiting for it oh yeah yeah and that's that goes back to like the big thing the, what we talked about at the beginning is the the scouting part of it is because yeah. like whenever like you go through there and you see all kinds of trails and all kinds of stuff um i just like wait there could be all kinds of trails and stuff too but you got to figure out where they're going to be at in the daytime like if they're going to bed up here and the food sources down here you got to catch them you know somewhere in the middle and you can't let them wind you you got to be on the right side of the wind and yeah, all that yeah. kind of, all that kind of stuff too you can't see you can't let them see see you or hear you whenever you're walking in and just it, there's just so much that goes into it man that's and it's and that's why it's really tricky especially on public land yeah like here in virginia that i um Virginia is actually the uh, first state I've ever hunted public land in, just because I've always hunted private land, you know, back yeah. home. But yeah, makes sense. Kind of, I guess, associated with the fact that it's adrenaline. I imagine adrenaline's uh, a part of it. But most guys play video games off off the mat, or they have, you know, more simple hobbies. Obviously, you have hunting too. But yeah, you also fly planes. <laughs> I I do. How I, did you get into doing that? Well, why do you do that? I, I just I've first time I went up in a plane, or it was like like a small little it was a Cessna 172. My dad bought a Cessna 172 whenever I was a sophomore. I think I was a sophomore, freshman, sophomore in high school. And um, we had this. Me and him were we'd always talk like like uh, dad. I was like, Dad, you buy a plane, I'll learn how to fly it. Like you learn how to you fly a plane, y'all learn how to fly it. And uh, he ended up he took a few lessons from a guy that he uh he had a guy that worked for him that actually had his pilot's license and that's actually how he got into it yeah and um 
he uh, he bought this little plane and he hired or he started doing lessons with this like uh, like a flight instructor. Yeah. And he was you know a month or two into it, and that's about when I started. And then as soon as he ended up getting his solo, which is where uh, you do so many t- or you go through like all your checklists that the uh, that the instructor is he's like he's signing on a piece of paper saying that he he he, he allows you to be able to fly by yourself with his license because he's got his he has, he has to have a license in order to teach people. Yeah. And so that's him, basically him writing on a piece of paper saying that you're good enough to fly by yourself is what a solo means. Yeah. And so after he got his solo, I uh, I started flying, and within it probably took it probably takes. Could you fly with him? Like if he had his solo, obviously, I mean you could probably go up there with him too, right? Well, or with the with the so, with the solo, you're not you're supposed to you, the solo meaning is like you're able to fly the plane by yourself, and so what that means is you go fly the plane and you log hours yeah. and you have to have so many amount of hours in like seat time hours in order to uh, um, apply for your written test I think it's your written test you have to have so many hours to get your official license yeah. and, um, and so that's mainly what that's for but um, I got my solo I think it was right after my junior year um, our state tournament second or, second or third weekend in February and the weekend after that, or um, every morning after the state tournament, or I think it was maybe three mornings a week, I would go fly before school. <laughs> and it's um, crazy to think of a high school kid flying. I would go, I would go fly before school with my flight instructor and do and do lessons. And I mean, I loved it. I loved it. And did you um, ever get nervous before? It? Like, was it like the first time that you had to go and take off? Like. Was it terrifying? Oh, it's definitely an adrenaline rush. It's especially when you got a, a seventy year old man that, that he's been flying for, you know, fifty something years and um he he takes the yoke and the yoke of the plane. This is your instructor. Yes, he takes oh, yeah. the he goes he goes, You ever seen the movie Pablo thirteen? And I was like, Yes, sir and he goes, You wanna know how they made it? like sure and he takes that yoke and he pushes it straight down and my butt lifts up off that seat and as soon as he gets a little pressure and pulls it back my my butt slams on the seat and you're talking about talking about an adrenaline rush <laughs> that's baptism by fire yeah I, I definitely tightened my seat belt up after that one i imagine it probably makes commercial flying you know turbulence not so scary oh my gosh yeah <laughs> oh yeah you got if you've got maybe that's what i gotta do to get over my flight anxiety i gotta go and get some crazy flight instructor and if, terrify me get it out of me and especially in a small plane like that if you have um anything from like a 10 to 12 mile an hour wind to gust like yeah, it's it's it's, it's gonna be bumpy yeah it feels yeah. like the plane's gonna just rip apart in the middle of the air yeah so do you have a goal with that like is it like your end game with flying is just to be able to get your license so you can do, you know, like regional stuff and you no, know, I don't know, fly into Blacksburg for a football game after you graduate from school or is it going to be, you know, do you have something that you want to do at the long term or just to do, just to go and fly? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I uh, I just I like to do it one just because it's fun and you know it's just something like if I I could go up in a plane you know by myself and just you know get away from everything. Yeah. And, um, but I would say my intern goal was just to be able to fly, you know, I just, like, it's yeah. fun. Like it, it beats like flying two hours back and forth from Scottsboro to, 
Blacksburg is way better than driving six and a half hours, you know, <laughs> you know, but, um, yeah. yeah. And whenever I get out of, uh, college, um, I kind of want to do, I kind of want to travel for a little bit, you know, so I like, can do like, I want to do like a lot of like hunting. Like I want to go to South Texas and kill a turkey and I want to go all the way up to Montana and go on a guided elk hunt, like a boat hunt. And yeah. I want to do all that kind of stuff before I st- actually step into the real world and yeah. have to, you know, get a job and, you know, kind of do all that kind of stuff um, and get all that out of the way. So like, I've definitely feel like flying could definitely help me in that kind of aspect or like you know i've met so many people here up at school like if i go to like a like a wedding like right out of college you know everybody's yeah. you know starting to get married i could fly to a wedding and then be back home Dude. fly myself to a wedding and be back home instead of having to drive or fly or get in the commercial plane and fly and just killer. and just do that kind of stuff man That's a yeah. great idea with it too yeah yeah you're gonna save yourself a lot of time in the car if any of your buddies get married <laughs> yeah that is, <laughs> that is true man that is true um so kind of just last thing I had on my mind because we talked about it this morning, but are you the most southern dude on our team? Are you the most country dude as well? Are those two things the same thing to you? Um, being southern and being country are definitely two different things in my my aspect. Because you know, me and Sam Latone are from this exact same state, but he don't sound nothing like no. He does his accent don't sound nothing like me because he lives in the metro of Birmingham, big, big like one of the biggest cities in Alabama. So I think it is the biggest city in Alabama. Yeah, I'm assuming it is too. But we like to call his kind of city slickers. <laughs> I was even thinking about it on here too. I was like. Because when we had lifted in the morning together, every once in a while, you'd say something, and I'd be like, what? <laughs> yeah. What? Dude? Yeah. What did you just say? Whether it was a figure of speech yeah. or if it was just something that you were saying, and I just didn't catch all of it. If you uh, if you ever if you ever catch Corbin Myers uh, ever again one day, you need to ask him about the first time he met my dad. He, <laughs> yeah, I talked he, to your dad, Yeah, he, uh, he's, he's next level because his yeah. voice is that much deeper and, and like, raspier, where yeah. it's just – it's it's intense corbin will tell you a story yeah i mean i'll just kind of keep it short but uh corbin will tell you a story he walked we were we were at my house for like a weekend for like we were going out on the lake or something actually it might have been fourth of july but anyway uh corbin walked into the house my dad said something along the line we're all white women at he turned around and said what'd he say (laughs) (laughs) he had no idea of what just came out of his mouth and it's just it's funny to think about because it's like second nature to me like i just yeah. i can t- i can totally understand him and my my dad and my brother i can just totally understand you know what they're saying yeah because Does your brother that, have a thick accent too oh yeah it's yeah it's worse than yours um i don't know not i mean maybe just because he lives Sure. down down yeah. south of it he hasn't he's, worn off at all it hasn't worn off at all you know it, it, <laughs> being around the city slippers. yeah yeah <laughs> me being up here it's definitely i don't know it's i don't i wouldn't say it's it's definitely hasn't gotten worse if it hasn't gotten better but um i get made fun of for it a lot and that's just like one of the the things that people notice first straight out of the out of my mouth is just by my accent of where are you from yeah (laughs) just little things like that absolutely you fit perfectly and this is what we had talked about but how diverse our team is. oh yeah i I mean obviously with the majority of college wrestling teams maybe they they do have a bunch of guys from all over the place but we do i mean we got florida alabama jersey ohio where else we got? And Caleb's from Caleb's from Georgia. Georgia. Ty fans from Connecticut. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's we definitely have a, a 
very diverse team, but somehow we all we all get along together. And Who do you live with? I live with Cooper. Oh, Cooper okay. Flynn. You guys probably get along. Yeah, him. he's you know he's a he's a Tennessee boy, and you know he comes from like right outside of, right outside of Knoxville, a small uh, town right outside of Knoxville, and uh, every Thanksgiving instead of me driving six hours to go home. I usually go uh, hang out with him and his family. They're, you know, they've got that southern hospitality where they yeah. just bring anybody in and have Thanksgiving. Have Thanksgiving. We actually, uh, we actually go deer hunting um, at his house nice. whenever, uh, yeah. whenever we go down there during Thanksgiving. We've we've done that for the past two years since he's been here, and that's always been a great time too. That's but sweet. like you said, we have a very diverse team, but like. We all get along. Like we all, everybody hangs out with each other. It's remarkable. Yeah, it is. It is. Like that's all I could think about it. Like because it is. It's crazy. I. I mean, you guys are tighter knit than any of the teams that I was on too. Yeah. And you really. I mean, you could only like attach the framework to it, like from top down leadership from from all of our our staff and what they maybe put in place. But realistically, it's like. You, know, you can't control how each one of you guys is going to interact with one another. Absolutely, and I think that's you know um, us being so close. I think it's really you know, I think it helps us as a team aspect too. You know, like especially like leading up to like we were talking about leading up to ACCs and leading up to nationals. Just because our team is so close, I think that helps us um, become better people and better wrestlers on and off the mat. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, that's probably a good way to finish up. Thank you very much for your time today, Colton. Thanks for, for sharing all the, the knowledge you have about so many different areas. And thanks for uh, hopefully filling in a lot of our fans more, more about your life and more about who you are. I appreciate you having me. Thank you. Get along, honey, don't you let it by. Thank you so much for listening. I'm looking forward to recording a handful more shows here after the season comes to a conclusion. Uh, The guys are actually currently heading to NCAAs right now as I am finishing up this episode. So I'm looking forward to catching up with a lot of them after their season ends. And I look forward to sharing those conversations with you all. So thank you.